Good morning. It's good to see y'all this morning. Hope you've had a good week, and if you haven't had a good week, I hope uh, God has been near to you this week. Uh, Let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Father, we come before you again, and just reminded of how finite we are. That we are not you. We can't. We need to sleep every day. We need to eat every day. But you don't. You never sleep. That you are near us. That even through troubles and and trials and tribulations, that you are near. And because you are near, and we can trust in your nearness, that you have called us to live differently. Father, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds today to what you are calling of us as believers to do and to act and to say in these troubled times. In Jesus' name, amen. So, starting with the question, the first question in the book, and I'm only going to go the first part here because, again, he gives a lot in each question. How do you define the term worldliness? Like the world, okay. Anything that's not holy. Anything that's not holy. It's a good thought. Those things that are hostile to the things of God. Things that are hostile to the things of God. So how do you know... If the life you've lived this week was a worldly life or not? It's in accordance with the Word of God. Say it again? If it's in accordance with the Word of God or not. Okay. And we're going to see if that's true this week. And that's the difficulty with these types of passages because the last two Sunday school lessons have really been about the big picture, the doctrine, the, the, the inheritance that we have. And now it's about, okay, because you have that inheritance and because God is near to you, how, do, how are you supposed to live? And now we get into how we live. So let's read through. We're First uh, Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> starting in verse 11. And I'm going to read the whole passage to 3.12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. Some of your translations may say aliens and pilgrims or aliens and strangers. To abstain from fleshly lusts with which wage war against the soul by keeping your conduct excellent among the Gentiles. So that in the thing which they slander you as evildoers, they may because of your good works as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Be subject for the sake of the Lord to every human institution, whether to a king as, as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do good. For such is the will of God, that by doing good you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free people and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as slaves of God. Honor all people. 
Some of your versions may say, honor all men. Love the brethren, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are crooked or unreasonable or unjust. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unrighteously, for what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This finds favor with God. For to this you have been called, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps, who did no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, who being reviled was not reviling in return, while suffering he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sin we might live to righteousness, by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. In the same way, you wives be subject to your husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, as they observe your pure conduct with fear. Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on garments, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible quality of a lowly and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also, who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves, being subject to their own husbands. Just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, you have become her children if you do good, not fearing any intimidation. You husbands, in the same way. Live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, to sum up, all of you be like-minded, sympathetic, brotherly, tender-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but giving a blessing instead, for you are called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. For the one who desires life, to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So let's jump back to chapter 2, verse 11, 10, 11, and 12. What kind of radically different conduct does Peter say is expected from believers? Abstain from fleshly lust or lust of the flesh. What does that mean? Okay. Are you looking for specific? Oh, yeah. Let's make this real. Don't have sex with people other than your wife. Okay, that's our natural place to go with this verse, right? But is that all that it means? Don't tell a lie when you're tempted to. Hmm. Don't cheat the government. Don't cheat your neighbor. Don't cheat your employer. Don't cheat your employer. Don't gossip. What? Don't gossip. Ooh. 
not too many real young ones here, but I also know that there are a lot of people my age and a little younger who still love their games. Is that a, a lust? Your desire to spend a lot of time doing things that are of no value? What else can that be attached to? What? Laziness. That, that can come in any, you can go one direction or the other. You can go to laziness or you can go to obsession. obsession. Covers a whole lot more than just the sexual lust that we naturally think of when we think of this. We're talking about anything in our life that is controlled by the sin in our heart. <coughs> Abstain from fleshly lust. So, how do you do that? Look at verse 12. Do what? People observe. How do you know? What was the question again? Um, how do you, how do you uh, abstain from fleshly lust? Well, how do you do that? What? Good works? Is that what you said? Okay. That's how 10 or 11 started, right? That reminder that we are strangers and pilgrims. And if you're a stranger and a pilgrim or an alien or an exile or a sojourner, you're not from around here. So you're probably, how you live your life is going to be different than the people that you're around. The, the, many of you have spent time in places like uh, China and Africa and Spain and... and um, Russia and the way we live here is it the way they live there when you first go there do, do you feel like an alien so how we live as aliens and strangers should be different from how the people around us are living agree with that okay well this is the this is the setup because jumping into verse 13, now we're going to get specific. What does that look like? And, and as we go through this passage, it talks about some very specific categories of life. The first one is uh, referenced in verse 12 as Gentiles. But um, unless I'm mistaken, and I could be, everybody in this room is technically a Gentile. And I could be mistaken for some of the new folks, so I don't know your heritage. But most of us, I don't believe, are Jewish, which would technically make us all Gentiles. But for us, what is this in reference to? Unbelievers. Yeah. So we are to keep our conduct excellent among the Gentiles, among the unbelievers. That, that's kind of the focus we're going. So this is our life among the unbelievers is what he's talking about. Okay, so who's the first one that he picks on? Well, your relationship to authorities. That's the next question. We're going to go there. One after that, who's he? He talks about your relationship to your your employer. And and employee is who this is focused on, but employer. And I know there are some of you in here. You don't get off the hook, so it's coming for you too. Okay. 
Um, next one is wives. He spends six verses on wives, and he only spends one on husbands. You know why? Men have a short thing to <laughs> And he packs a lot in that one verse. Okay. <coughs> After that, <clears throat> he goes back to all believers, talking to all believers. So he gets focused in on some specific areas. And it's not unusual the areas that he chooses. Because think about your life. Think about Friday, this past Friday. You wake up in the morning, who are you dealing with? Hmm? Yes, but let's be specific. My kids. Your kids. Ourselves. 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 Husband and wife, right? Uh, you get done with breakfast, you get done with uh, all the stuff that you got to do in the morning, and Gil goes where? It's not a difficult question, folks. <laughs> goes to work. Okay, so wives, husbands, uh, work. And as you're driving to work, police officer pulls you over. Now you're dealing with the authorities, right? So your day-to-day lives deal in these three categories. Home, job, and authority in your life. And that's, that's what he's hitting in these short amount of verses. So this is where we're going to be. So... As part of living honorably, and that's kind of the, the living in an excellent way among the Gentiles, Peter calls for a lifestyle of submission. What does this word mean? Or in my version, it says be subject, but it's the same idea. Subject, be in submission. What does it mean? Fall in line. Okay. What were you going to say? Willingly. This word just means to, to um, put yourself under someone else. Not them put you under them. You put yourself under someone else. You line yourself up under someone else. Now, how is that different from what the world's thoughts of submission are? I get away with everything I can. Okay. Submission is, in the world's, world's world, submission is a bad thing. It's a loss. Right? Lose. You're a loser if you submit. Right? Okay. You're aliens and strangers in this world. So this is requiring us to be different. Okay, so now let's let's get into. <clears throat> Actually, uh, before we jump past this, um, this is kind of a sidebar. But he mentions this verse in the verses to consider: Jeremiah twenty nine, four to fourteen. Turn there for me, would you? Jeremiah twenty nine, four to fourteen. We are aliens and strangers. We are exiles. We are sojourners. And there's a, there's a favorite verse in this chapter that everybody loves to quote, isn't there? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares Yahweh, plans for peace and not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. 
So let's put this verse in context so you don't misuse it ever again. Okay? And we have to go back to verse 4. Thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this is talking to Israel. This is talking about their exile to Babylon. And he said, I put you there. Well, if we are believers and we're in this world and we are exiles and sojourners, God has put us here. Yes? Now listen carefully what he says to them. You're in exile. They're going to be there 70 years. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens, eat fruit. Take wives, become the fathers of sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give the daughters your daughters to husbands that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. What does he tell them to do? Live life. Keep going. This is, this is where it gets tough, folks. You know what's going on in our nation right now. You know who's in charge right now in our nation. Verse 7, seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile. Seek the peace of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to Yahweh on its behalf, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, do not listen carefully here. Do not let your prophets who are in your midst and your diviners deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams which you dream. For they prophesy a lie to you in my name, and I have not sent them, declares the Lord. For thus says Yahweh, when 70 years have been fulfilled for Babylon, I will visit you and establish my good word to you to return you to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares Yahweh. Plans for peace and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. He sent them into exile. He has told them his plan to give them peace if they seek the peace of the city that they're in. If they live the life that he has commanded them to live. Now listen carefully, verse 12 and 13, 14. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart and I will be found by you. There's a promise here, but it comes with an expectation of obedience. So as sojourners and exiles, we have to remember that he has put us here. He has commanded us to seek peace. And you're going to see it's not just in Jeremiah that he commands us to seek peace. It's in a lot of other verses that we're going to go through that he commands us to seek peace. So let's jump back to 1 Peter. Now, the first place that we have to have peace is in our relationships with authorities. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Because based off of our history over the last three years, I think our elders have done a pretty good job of giving us an understanding of what this passage is talking about. But I do want to touch on it because there's a question for it. What reason does Peter give for submitting to our governing authorities? Mm. For such is the will of God. It's God's will. It's for the sake of the Lord. Verse, one, uh, verse uh, 13. 
be subject for the sake of the Lord, for the Lord's sake. This is not about you, it's about Him. Your, your submission to the authorities is not about you, it's about how you are reflecting Him. That's what this is about. What happens when we do this? Verse 15. Silence the ignorance of foolish men. Think about it this way. I've got a Facebook account. I hate my Facebook account. I personally would prefer to get rid of it. And I follow a lot of people on Facebook, and not just the people that I physically know, but I follow a lot of people that are in uh, religious positions of authority that are engaged on Facebook. Not all of them respond appropriately. Not all of them do good. And the ones that don't do good... Usually there's a shouting match going on via text, capital letters and emojis and okay. But there are a few that I that I watch. They respond gently and humbly. They're not they're not giving in to, to the arguments being made, but they're seeking peace in the way they respond. And you know what happens to that argument? It dissipates. It's gone. You can't have an argument with somebody who's not willing to argue lesson that I've had to learn the hard way. But that's what this is talking about. Silencing the foolishness, the, the ignorance of foolish men. The easiest way to silence a foolish person is to not respond to them. Because if you don't give them a response, they can't respond back. They may try two or three or four times. But we are called to peace. Do we engage where the gospel is located? Absolutely. But do we look for the fight on the peripheral issues? We are called to peace. We can engage those areas in a loving, in a gracious, in a compassionate way, the way Christ did. But he's not asking us to go to war on on the issues that are not the gospel. Um. Verse 16 and 17. Act as free people. Do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as slaves of God. Honor all people. Love the brethren. Fear God. Honor the king. This is a difficult set of verses. Because especially in the last 20 years in the Christian world, um, the thought of I'm free in Christ to do these things has become very popular. And what you may not have intended to become evil is still is a covering for evil. And you have to be careful. Every, every choice you make, every decision that you do, everything that you do has to be under the picture of, is this something that shows that I'm a slave of, a slave of God? A child of Christ. Somebody who shows the gospel in my daily life. It's tough, folks, because it's true. Um, Paul, Paul says numerous places 
that I have the freedom to do these things, but I choose not to do these things. And we have to be a little more discerning in the things that we choose to do and make sure that it doesn't become a covering for evil. So let's jump to the next set. We talked about governing authorities, and I think there's enough there. Uh, let's talk about um, how, let's talk about work. Peter talks about Christ enduring unjust suffering, verses 18 to 25. How does Peter use that as an example of what it means for us to submit to an earthly master? Peter talks about how Christ endured unjust suffering. And that's specifically um, verses 20 to 25, specifically. How does Peter use that as an example of what it may mean for us to submit to an earthly master? Well, let's take this through a verse at a time because this is important. Servants, and of course, we don't have slaves the way they did in the New Testament times, but this is taken to be employers and employees in our time. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. That word fear doesn't mean scared. That word fear means um, reverence or, or honor. Not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are crooked. Unreasonable, unjust. For this finds favor. What finds favor? What? Submissive to the authority of your boss, even if he's a dirtbag. I'm going to just put it in plain language. We like to sanctify things, but sometimes it makes the point if you hear it in real words. You have to still be submissive even if you don't agree with what they're telling you to do. This is not, <clears throat> this is not, Greg teaches fourth graders and they're asking him to teach LGBTQ stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. This is, <clears throat> this is Greg teaches fourth grade math and science and they ask him to do a 40 hour professional development on how to teach reading. And they're not giving me time to do it. They're expecting me to do it on my own outside of work. That's what this is talking about. I can come up with every excuse not to do that professional development. Every, I can reason everything that you can possibly imagine for why I don't need to do that. You put me in a reading class and I'm going back to middle school to teach science. I don't teach reading. I'm, I have no intention of te teaching reading. I teach math. So why do I need to do 40 hours? Of and why aren't you paying me to do this professional development? You're making it required. It should be done while I'm here at school. You hear my excuses? These are the excuses have been rolling through my head for the last two months. <laughs> Thank you. But when you do good and suffer for it. And that's not good. When you do good and suffer for it. This finds favor with God. 
So think about this with your job. And it's interesting. Some people look at this and say, oh, this is kind of a weird spot to put this. Um, this where he's quoting the Old Testament on this. Um, but think about this from your job's perspective. For to this you have been called, verse 21, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. This is right after the talk about your job, folks. Who did no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. He didn't sin. He didn't lie. Here's where it gets tough. We're to follow this example. Who being reviled was not reviling in the return. What does reviled mean? Speaking verbally abusively. We all have, most of us have seen that on our job, right? And what's the response? Right? Christ didn't do that. Was not reviling in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. But kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. I had to remind myself this week that the Lord is near. In those moments, he is near. When you want to come up with every excuse not to do what you've been asked to do, the Lord is near. He understands. He knows where I'm at. He put me in this place to do these things. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We've got to move on. Verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. All right, wives, here we come for you. How does Peter describe what a wife's submission should look like? In the same way, you wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient, what's that, what's that um, assuming? What? Possibly. It could be assuming the fact that your husband is obedient. Even if those are, un- if, even if they're disobedient. So it could be, do you have an obedient husband? It could be, do you have a disobedient husband? Disobedient not to you, but to the Lord. Okay. That they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives as they observe your pure conduct with fear. Again, respect. Not, not fear as in, I'm scared. I want you to understand what I'm not saying here. And this is, in the last... Three or four months, I've become very acquainted <clears throat> with with domestic abuse, and and not to Pam. Um, but more than one person I've come in contact with in the last four months is dealing with domestic abuse. <clears throat> this is not talking about that situation. Domestic abuse is a husband who is not following verse 7. And we're going to get to him. Okay? But the church in general in the United States has dropped the ball on domestic abuse. Some of it is willful. Some of it is unintentional. In my case, it's been unintentional. Don't know what to look for. Don't know what to listen for. 
don't know um, how to hear somebody's words. We need to do better. We need to hear people. We need to see people. And, that, and it goes back to last week when we talked about living as a body. When your arm hurts, you know it. When your arm hurts, your legs respond to that. Your stomach responds to that pain. As a body, we should be doing the same thing. That's another topic for another time, but I don't want you to misunderstand what this verse is saying. This is talking to a husband who is, a wife who has a husband who is, for the most time, obedient to the Lord, or maybe disobedient to the Lord, but not in a cruel and vicious manner. That person is dealt with in a very different way. We protect the person being abused, and we work toward the, the, hopefully, the salvation of the restoration of the, the abuser and protecting the abused in the process. We have to do that. So this is talking about a normal everyday life, not that bad situation, okay? So verse three, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding of hair, wearing of gold jewelry, and putting on garments. And this verse could actually nowadays be applied to most men too. I'm just being honest. But this is the key on that verse, not merely external. It doesn't say, John MacArthur is one of my favorites and he's got a phrase, if the barn needs painted, paint it, baby, paint it. Okay? The idea is not to avoid mutant makeup, not avoid clothing, not avoid those things. Don't be preoccupied with those things. Take care of yourself, take care of your home, but don't be preoccupied with those things. That's what he's saying. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible. Think back to the last Sunday school series. Think back to there with an incorruptible quality of a lowly and quiet spirit. The wife is to be like who? Who is gentle and lowly? So she's being called to be like him. Just like all the rest of us were called to be like him. Right? Um, they always love to get into Ephesians and use the, 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 you know, these six verses to pound on the wife, right? But what's the verse in Ephesians that comes before? Be subject to one another. It's not just the wife that's being called to be submissive. It's the husband that's being called to be submissive too. Their submission looks different, but it's still submission. Let's look at the man. Verse 7. You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. So what kind of a relationship, husbands, wives, please don't talk on this one, okay? Uh, What kind of a relationship does Peter call you to cultivate with your wife? I can let the women talk if you can't pull it together. You should honor them, protect them. Okay. What does it say right here? Live with them in understanding way. 
there, this, <clears throat> it's been a rough, rough lesson for me. Because <clears throat> every time I think I'm getting through one, God's going, here's another one. Is there something, a little thing that you do or say to your wife that drives her absolutely insane? And she's told you over and over and over again that that really annoys me. But you continue to do it. Right, Pam? (laughs) It's practice what you preach today, folks. Um, You have to live with your wife in an understanding way. If that bothers her, then don't do that. Have I done better? Uh, Yes, I'm not sure that's a yes. I have been more mindful of it, but maybe I'm not as mindful as I need to be. This is the important piece of this, gentlemen. What's the effect of you not living with your wife in an understanding way? From the verse. What? What? God doesn't hear your prayers, dude. Your prayers are worthless if you're not living with your wife in an understanding way. You're not caring for her as she's a weaker vessel. Ladies, don't get riled up by that. God made men's constitution to be different than a woman's constitution. They made us to go out and work in the field for 10, 12, 14 hours a day and come back and still be able to do chores at home. Most men, not all, most men have a, big, have a stronger constitution. God made us that way. Allow us to use that the way God intended. But dude, if you're thinking that you're praying and you're not taking care of your wife, you're talking to the wall. Your prayers don't mean nothing if you're not taking care of your wife, if you're not understanding her, if you're not living with her in an understanding way. You're toast, man. That's why there's only one verse here. Because that one verse is enough to keep us busy for the rest of our lives. Now, sum it up. Verse 8. That's what he says. Now, sum it up. All of you, be like-minded. goes back to living as a body, right? The body only works when all of the pieces are working the way they were intended to work. Be like-minded. Sympathetic. Something else I need to work on. Brotherly, tender-hearted, and this is the key, humble in spirit. Um, one of the things he said in the book, and I've read in a couple of other places, is this whole uh, understanding of being subject or being submissive. You need to be mindful of the fact that when you're submissive to somebody else, if you are looking at them to make sure that you're doing husbands, if you're looking at your wife to look and see where her those, those weak areas are that you can support – that you can understand her and live in that way. Are you thinking about how to crush her under your heel? No. Your mind is focused on loving her and caring for her and doing that. Ladies, you can, you can shout this out if you want to. If you've got a husband who's doing that, is it easier to submit to him? If you've got a husband who is loving you and looking for ways to care about you and, and taking care of you and your weakness, is it easier to submit to that? I would hope so. doesn't matter. God's already called you to do it. But he's also already called the guys to care for their wives. You have to live in humility with your wife. 
I can speak to the men because I know my heart. You've got to live with humility with your wife. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. If they speak abusive words to you, you don't return those, you don't return those abusive words. But give a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. We were called to inherit blessings and we are to give blessings. Does the world live that way? You are a sojourner and an exile. You are an alien. You are a pilgrim in this world. We are not called to respond the way the world does. The one who desires life, to love and see good days, must keep his tongue from evil. It all starts right here, folks. And his lips from speaking deceit. He must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Here it is again, seeking peace. For the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears attend to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Father, this has been a difficult lesson. So many areas in our lives that I know for me that I'm blown it. I need to do it right, and I need to do it better. And you've made it clear. Father, I... I pray that you will help us to see these things. Help us to apply them this week. Help us to hold each other accountable to these things. Help us to grow. Grow into who Christ made us. To grow to be more like him. He, you have called us to be perfect because you are perfect. Help us to grow towards that perfection. In Jesus' name, amen.